What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another Boardroom Podcast. This is Out of Office, number 15. Man, crazy things going on in the world, Gianni. was good, bro? Yo, we got that win. We got the win, the union. The Philly union and Biden. Oh, damn, I went straight MLS. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we got the win. The re- you know what it is? I was so happy Saturday. The city was electric. The weather was incredible. And you know that the end, at least from my perspective, you feel like the end of this period of our life is over. However, you know there's still a little bit in front of us. And even the fact that he hasn't conceded the election and, um, you know, the vaccine news was dope. But then you still know the reality of the time frame. So I'm optimistic. Me too. I'm always optimistic. And I am excited about Biden's win, and I'm excited about the Philadelphia Union win, which meant that we won the uh, the Shield, man. Best regular season record in MLS. We are the team to beat. We, we are the, the team best to beat. team in the MLS. We really are, but it's playoff time now, November 24th. Yo, you- shout out to number four. I talk about you all the time. I don't know your name yet. I'm so sorry, but you are my favorite player on the team, bro, and keep doing your thing. Gianni, I appreciate that, and I appreciate your love for our union, but number four on the union... That's how you refer to this guy. You know this guy is a star player. We're both looking up his stats. We're both looking up his stats. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know either. I'm not going to lie. But I do know who it is now. It's Mark McKenzie, obviously. Yo, Mark McKenzie, you are a beast. And not only is that, he's that's my man. Like, we've talked on the phone. we on Twitter, chopping it up. we building business, me and Mark McKenzie. So, uh man, I won't forget that again. But number four, Mark McKenzie is a beast, man. And um, speaking of that, this week we got to speak to um, one of the most like polarizing athletes. Honestly, I feel that way. That's not an exaggeration. He plays tennis, so the whole world doesn't know him. But Nick Kyrgios, one of the most gifted players on the tour, and you know he's young. And I think people, because of the emotion and passion that he shows on the court, people tend to assume that he's a certain way. And I can tell you from the conversation that we had, G, that Nick is. A special dude and I, and I hope for good things for his future and he's he's now right there with Roger him and Roger my two favorite tennis players on the men's circuit and then Naomi Osaka my Number favorite one. player on the women's circuit for sure for sure so uh, let's get into our conversation uh, thank you everybody for joining us again we have a little fun up here on the top so yeah let's talk to uh, Nick Kyrgios Nick how are you man good guys how are you pleasure to be here man it's a pleasure to have you where are you right now in the world I'm currently in Australia, sitting in my home. Um, not much I can do at the moment. Uh, we received some good news yesterday that nationwide we've got one case, you know, from this this global pandemic that's you know been you know devastating. But you know we're moving forward, which is good. And yeah, I'm just in my in my house. So where exactly in Australia? I, I I used to have a really I used to be in the music business, and I managed this artist Daniel Merriweather, who was from Melbourne. So I got the whole like the burn down i got the whole melbourne slang and everything where are you in like position to melbourne or sydney what's the closer city of city of the two um well sydney's about two and a half hour drive away and um melbourne is literally a 45 minute flight so australia is pretty small like that everything's pretty close by i lived i lived in melbourne for two and a half years when i was a bit younger training for tennis and um i love it there man it's awesome home of the australian open oh that's right um so were you there the whole, the whole like, I saw you haven't played since February. You, you've been in Australia for the last seven months? 
Uh, yeah, basically. Um, I was actually, uh, I was in California when everything kind of took off with this uh, pandemic. I was in uh, Indian Wells playing and then there was like news that there was some, you know, there was a case on, on site and then basically all the tennis players kind of made a decision if they wanted to come home. And um, yeah, I did that before borders kind of, kind of closed. So it was, it was, it was strange times for everyone. It feels like Australia, like at least, I mean, we're probably, America probably looks like a joke. I know it looks like a joke to the rest of the world, but Australia, I think universally um, from outside looking in, it felt like that was the place where at least from leadership down, you guys all felt like it was under control. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Canberra dealt with it. Uh, amazing. You know, we, we all, we all were inside for two weeks. We all had to quarantine two weeks and then we actually, everyone got tested and we had zero cases within maybe the first month or two. Um, and then we've, we basically had no restrictions here for the last five months, honestly. Um, so it's been, it's been amazing. I think it's, it's, it's leadership, but I think it's just all everyone just coming together. Um, you know, and it's been good, but it's just been devastating around the world. You know, I've, I've, I was trying to do my part during the pandemic when, you know, supermarkets were getting raided, you know, everything was kind of getting taken. I was just, you know, driving around to homes, trying to give what I could, you know, from, from my house and everything like that. So it was a tough time, honestly, but I'm just glad, you know, we're, we're all working together. Did you play, were you playing tennis during that time when you were shut down? Um, not much, you know, tennis courts were closed. They weren't really allowing you to do much during that time, but yeah, I, I mean, anytime I can have some rest to just um, just chill with my family and, and friends, you know, I'm not going to take that for granted. Yeah, I mean, I think like I know for KD and a lot of other athletes that I spoke to, obviously no one wants to live in the times we're in. But if you are fortunate to not have anybody close to you get sick or you didn't get sick, it, there was some blessings, I'm sure, in that time off and like the reset, because I'm sure you've just been going hard, 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 right? Yeah, hundred percent. Especially, I mean, tennis player, an Australian tennis player playing on tour. You know, usually I don't see my family for for about six, seven months a year, and that's in the same that's in the same block. So I'm literally traveling from February to about uh, almost at the end of the U.S. Open. So I don't really see my my mom, my dad. I don't sleep in my own bed for like seven months. So, and I, and it's been like that for almost seven, eight years. So to to have this time, it's been it was strange being home, waking up at home for this for this continual period, just home, home, home. It's been it's been awesome. Obviously, the circumstances for everyone kind of suck, but I definitely haven't taken it for granted. Just being home, like seeing my family, and it's been awesome. You watch the bubble. You you were probably watching NBA heavy though, right? Oh, every single day, every single day. It's my it's my absolute life. Like I love basketball. The you're that's a Celtics shirt you're wearing. Oh yeah, I'm a Boston Celtics fan. I never lived this championship down 2008 ever. I know you're. I know you're a big hoops fan. I knew that. I saw. You know, obviously at the Australian Open, um, there was a lot you were dealing with. I remember seeing the image of the smoke over the courts was insane, and then I heard a, a little bit about what you did and and how you stepped up. How crazy was like just your start to 2020, even before the pandemic. Um, well, yeah, we had the, the Australian bushfires were, were out of control. You know, they were the almost, I think the actual volume of the bushfires were the same size of the, as a country, Belgium. So basically ev the whole country was almost on fire. And my, my city, Canberra, like the smoke was the most toxic air in the world, like overpassing China, all the Asian countries, like, and it was just, you couldn't even see, I couldn't even see next door. That, that's how bad the smoke was. And I was down in uh, I was down in Brisbane and we were playing and I just I just did a tweet off my phone. I was like, 
you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate money every ace I hit. You know, this serves my best shot in tennis, so I tend to hit a lot of aces. So I just ended up, you know, donating a lot of money. Then it kind of took off in Australia. All the athletes were kind of tweeting, doing the same thing. Then it went global. Um, athletes from all over the world were, were helping. Some, like, famous actors and stuff started getting on board, and it was, it was a movement. And it, it gave me, you know, I got emotional after I played because it was, it was something, you know, that was so close to home. And then... Um, and then, you know, I tried to put together a night before the Australian Open with Roger Federer, Serena Williams, just some of the biggest names in tennis, biggest, some of the athletes in the world. And we, we managed to raise, you know, $6 million um, for the bushfires as well. Had some of the firefighters watching on court side. And then obviously I was devastated a couple of weeks later, Kobe Bryant passed away. And that was just, to this day, still, I mean, I've got him, I've got a tattoo of him on my arm. You know, that was one of the toughest days of my life so far. I'd never met him, but basketball is such a big part of my life when, and I had to play that day against Rafael Nadal, one of the best players ever to play tennis. And that was, that was, I just still remember waking up to it. And it was just the most devastating news of my life. Yeah. I remember watching your match and watching, you know, your reaction to it. And obviously the whole world uh, there, everyone's reaction to it. it. It's just been, you know, this whole year has been surreal, but I do think that there was some, um, solace in the bubble and the NBA returning and you realize just how reliant we are on all of you guys on athletes you know and, and how important sports were to the fabric of you know all of our societies who were so when you were growing up who were obviously Kobe who was on the wall like what jerseys were hanging up in your rafters because you've been a hoop fan your whole life not rafters in your in your bedroom um well Kevin Garnett's my, my favorite basketball player of all time um I just loved his passion and intensity, like, I just loved it. Like, he, you know, there were times where he maybe crossed the line as a Celtics fan, but um, I, I loved it. Like, he was a guy that, you know, you loved to have on your team but hated to play against. Any, any guys like that I loved. He was – I literally idolized Kevin Garnett. Um, but, uh, you know, Paul Pierce, the truth, basically any Celtics player. Um, love Rajon Rondo. That's why I, when, when the Celtics went down this year in the playoffs, I was, I was going for the Lakers. Um, I wanted LeBron to get his, you know, fourth ring as well. But – um. Yeah, it's just, yeah, basketball's literally, yeah. if I didn't play tennis, I'd be, I'd be probably playing in, in a Division Three European league somewhere. So how good were you as a kid? Um, I mean, I got to a level in Australia where I was traveling for it. I played state, like I played for Australia, but I had to give it up at 14 because the pathway to make it wasn't, wasn't easy. And obviously tennis is, is a massive sport in Australia. So my dad kind of just had the, had the conversation with me. I was just shooting hoops outside my house and he's like, look, we're going to have to gonna have to give basketball away and i still remember the conversation it wasn't an easy one um but it, it was okay i guess but you you can still hoop now a little bit right uh, i play i play i play whenever i can literally like it it when i'm when i'm overseas when i'm in the states um i literally just trying to find an la fitness or a 24 hour fitness that's always open i just try and play wherever i can so who were the australian hoopers was like andrew bogut or those guys was there anybody that inspired well, you well simmons Simmons? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Ben Simmons, Patty Mills, Del Vadova, Aaron Baines, uh, Joe Ingles plays for the yeah, plays yeah, for, the Jazz. for sure. Uh, we've got a, we've actually got a pretty we've got a good crop of people. Like good, I think we've got a great team for the next year Olympics. I think we've got a fair chance of, of getting a bronze. I think I think medal chances for sure. Um, the Kyrie can play for us. I don't know why he doesn't. <laughs> I saw that. I had no yeah. idea until and and I and I know Kyrie a little bit, obviously, and Kevin and him are really close. I had no idea about that. That would have been a game yeah. changer. That's what I mean. If he plays for us, like 
just help us get a medal, you know? Oh, my God. Him and Ben, right? Yeah, him. And then Ingles, you know, playmaker is good. Yep. Oh, my. They'd be really good. You know, we looked at uh, the Brisbane Bullets years ago. We were looking yeah. at that league over there is really like mirroring the NBA. Yeah, we're trying to do everything, yeah, that you guys are doing. So who were the tennis players? Was it like, uh, was it, when I, I, to be honest with you, I saw, like, I did homework today. G and I do homework. I can't lie. We do a little homework. So I, yeah. I when I was a kid... I mean, I follow tennis heavy, so like I'm familiar with you, but I wanted to know a bit about your story, and I saw you and Pat Cash have like an interesting relationship. When I was a kid, when he won and like ran up into the stands, I used to rock that headband heavy, yeah, man. Yeah, the check headband, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually don't like, I, I, I appreciate, you know, I, I know that everyone's different, everyone's game style's different, everyone's journey's different, everyone's story's different, but I think some of the legends or some of the past Australian tennis players struggle to kind of just embrace the fact that I'm so comfortable in my own skin, like comfortable doing my own thing. Like tennis isn't everything, everything for me. Like I've, I basically just use this as a complete platform into, you know, other things. Like I've got a foundation in Melbourne for the disadvantaged kids, you know, that need a home. Like I've just used, this has just been a springboard to open up so many opportunities and to voice and try and help whenever I can. That's basically that was always my vision for tennis. You know, it wasn't necessarily to win Grand Slams, be a champion like, you know, Roger Federer, Nadal. It was more just to try and, you know, have the opportunity to help, basically. Man, I, I'm telling you, it's like, uh, again, you mirror, that sounds so much like something KD would say, is that like you can have that thought and it doesn't take you from wanting to be the best in the world or wanting to compete at the highest level. But, you know, you're obsession with the sport may just look and sound different than some of your peers and that's generational Correct. that's generational as well i think well yeah for sure i think i think just people struggled to like it wasn't an easy conversation for me to have that maybe that one day where i was you know looking myself in the mirror and saying look nick maybe maybe i didn't want to be you know an amazing champion like winning all these grand slams and titles but i think it's just as important to have those athletes who are very hands-on with the community to give time back and actually like be there present and helping and every single day of my life i'm trying to do something i'm trying to stay active and trying to you know be there whether it's you know getting on a hospital call to the kids in australia um you know before the australian open every time i play i have kids you know coming on court that you know have you know terminal illnesses just to give them the, you know that that little moment of you know being on court with me in front of thousands of people playing you know that's moments that you you, you cherish. that's what i you know try and try and give to kids everything i can basically i just try and i just try and be better i just try and and that's honestly where i get my most joy like i i love competing i love playing don't get me wrong like i'm very competitive all athletes are but you know i get my most joy and satisfaction from just helping no, and, and you made a good point being on the ground and, and actually doing the work, you know, giving money is great, but doing the work is important too. When you were a kid yeah. though, um, and you gave up basketball and you had to lock in on tennis, like that sport, everyone knows professional tennis players. It's an early start to your career. It seems like you give up so much and you start to build a team around you. So when you made that decision to lock in, what started to happen? Like what was the changes you had to make? Um, well, well, to begin with, I, I didn't really love the sport, which was tough from the beginning. So I started playing when I was seven. Um, I was very overweight as a kid, you know, very, um, very, you know, chubby. I was very insecure. I didn't want to, didn't want to be active, didn't want to play sport in general, really. Um, and then, you know, I played with seven. My mom brought me down to tennis courts and then kind of happened overnight for me, honestly. I, I didn't think I was going to be any good. Like I was looking at guys on TV playing like Federer and all these guys and 
not not at any time did I think I was going to be there playing and, and beating some of these, like beating these top guys. Like, And then I was 18, um, 19, sorry, played Wimbledon, played Nadal. And I was only about, I was about 200 in the world at the time. So I was, I was on the cusp of kind of making it or whatever you want to call it. But, um, and then I beat him at Wimbledon and then my life completely changed after that. Like, especially in Australia, just the spotlight kind of hit and, you know, the people camping outside my house for like a month afterwards, like reporters and stuff. It was just, it was crazy. Like I wasn't, and I wasn't ready for that. I didn't, I didn't necessarily sign up for it, but obviously I knew, I knew over time, like that just came with the territory. But were you trying to be a, like when you, when you stopped playing ball, did your parents have a conversation with you about like, this is what it's going to take to go pro? Were you aiming to be a pro? Um, I guess I was trying to make it professionally. I think they, they kind of, I mean, it was, it's crazy. Like I was playing local tournaments in Australia and then I started playing a little bit overseas and I started winning. Like at every age group, I was kind of the best of my age group. So 10s, 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s, and then it became opens. And I won this tournament and I saw a list of people who had won a tournament by their 18th year. It was like Roger, Andy Murray, like these, like there was five names on the list. And then I was like, wow, like maybe even at that time, I was like, I looked at myself, dude, I was like, I'm serious. Like I was like, like, 15 kilos overweight like I was like maybe I'm just like a good younger player like I never really thought that I was going to make it and then something like I just had this confidence inside when I was on court like I'm so and and like one thing I'm so different on court than I'm off court like I'm I'm seriously so gentle like off court but on court I'm just like I'm literally tapped like I'm just like something's wrong with me on court but I never thought that I was going to make it honestly when so when you turned pro you said you weren't um you weren't ready was it like you weren't ready for just like the level of competition or just the life? Um, the level of competition I was fine with. I always, I always knew my ability was, was there. It was just the, the life I wasn't ready for. Like just the, the, the pressure, like Australia, ten, tennis is one of the biggest sports in Australia here. And, you know, that we, we have such a rich culture in the sport and I just wasn't ready to take on. I, I don't think personally I was ready to take on the pressure, the spotlight. Like, I mean, I, I didn't, I was just a kid that, I'm so I have such a like close knit circle. I have very very few friends. Like I just kind of do my thing. I just wasn't ready for the whole big everything I do here. Like in Australia, we have like the NRL, which is football, right? And like it, me going out to dinner with my girlfriend is in the papers rather than that. Like it's just like it's crazy. I wasn't ready for that personally, and I didn't want that. Like I never played the sport. I never did. I never do what I do now for for any of that stuff. Like I don't. I like to be left alone and just and um. Yeah, man, I just, I don't think I was ready for it. Sometimes I get blown away from it now, but. That's, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, I think I, I actually have spoke to other peers of yours and there's sometimes like a completely different, uh, like the answer is the complete opposite, right? It's not even in the middle. It's like started, I was working 16 hours a day. I moved to this academy. I did this, I did that. And it's a total different response, but um, it's interesting because, you know, I think that like you also envision and you see it with like the Williams sisters, you see the parents around the court and you see this like these tireless, tireless work days. Um, I saw your mom was like part of a like a Malaysian uh, royal family and uh, renounced her rights to come here. That is so cool. Was that like how did that shape or does it shape in any way who you are, your mom and your dad and their backgrounds? Well, let me get it started. They're unbelievable cooks. Like my mom is the, um, the best cook ever. But um, 
No, I mean, honestly, I met, I met my mum's dad once when I was in Malaysia and I, I, I was very young then. Like I rarely knew anything about him, whether he's royalty or, or not. Like I met him once and that's the end of it. I've never spoken to him ever again, ever seen him ever again. So honestly, I don't know much about that side of my mum at all. And I haven't really asked her because as I said, like I haven't really seen my mum in, in a while, like where we've been, been comfortable enough to actually just sit down and talk. Like it was, it's, it's crazy, but my dad and my mum, um, they've been there from the start, honestly, like that was, that was one thing. And they were, my, my dad used to take me, he was my coach basically when I was young and I don't even have a coach now. I haven't had a coach in four years. And, you know, people tend to think that this, this kind of just fell in my lap type of thing, like professional tennis player, but I definitely had to work, work for it. But I guess the way I go about it is a lot, a lot more chill and mellow than, than some of the other tennis players. But man, I, I don't know. Like the journey's just been crazy for me, honestly. Why haven't you had a coach in the past couple of years? Is it like hard finding a bond with like a person you trust? Yeah, that, that, that's for me the main, the main thing. Like I, like there's plenty of, and, and, and the tennis world, man, it's, it's a dangerous one because there's a lot of coaches out there that don't care about your best interest. Um, they just kind of want to just take over what you've kind of, for me, like I haven't had a coach in four years. You know, when I go out there, I just play my game. Um, you know, I, I do my own research. I watch, you know, I, I know everyone's weakness that I play. I know how I have to play, how I get it done. And I just, I find it very hard to trust anyone, to be honest. And to, to bring someone into my space and to my, like, my, I guess, creation, like where I've gotten today, it's tough, man. It's tough to find someone that genuinely cares. Like, and I'm too afraid to do that because I've had just too many people that have come into my life and just vanished. If, as, soon as, they, as soon as they've got what they valued or what they need out of me, that they're gone. So I, I'm, I, I don't want to fall for that trap anymore. So, so who's in like your box during a major when they cut to the, to the, the seats? Um, well, sometimes it's my friends, my other tennis friends that want to watch me play. Um, my dad's usually there sometimes. Um, he comes to Wimbledon. Uh, my manager is my best friend from school um he he recently just became my new manager so that was always something i wanted to do i wanted to be i wanted to have someone that was very close to me that we cared each other like brothers you know managing all my stuff um and my physio my physio i've known for about six years and he comes along to the big tournaments and that's about it i like to keep it nice and small and just yeah. that's cool that your best friend is your manager that's do you like is that influenced a bit by like the culture of uh sports in america and like the nba and you see the you know the partnerships that are formed with these elite players and then the business that's built around it yeah definitely i dude, like i love i love the fact there's so many things in basketball that i i, I just wish tennis would just like embrace like for instance like when kd or like these like awesome players are like walking to the arena and they're wearing whatever they want. Like you can get a sense of their personality straight out of the gate. Like you can, you know, those, those things that you draw, they, they draw your attention to your favorite athletes. Like I love, I know Westbrook's a bit crazy, like with what he wears, but it's cool. Like you get to see what he's about and tennis players, we have none of that. Like there's no culture, like there's no, and one thing I love about basketball too is like, I feel like when they're competing against each other, they're competing, like they're going hard, but they respect each other. And then like, they embrace each other like brothers at the end, you know, like they're just like, yeah, we, 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 we've gone to the you know, top of the sport. We're now making changes, making, like, giving people inspiration, hope. And like, tennis players just don't have that at all, man. Like, we just, like, they're like, afraid to hang out afterwards. Like, we don't embrace each other. Like, we're like, I don't know, some, something, like, there's a cultural difference between tennis and basketball. It's just like, I tried to bridge the gap. I did that collaboration with Kyrie with his shoe. Um, and that came into tennis, which was awesome. But I just don't think yeah, t- tennis is just, it's just, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. 
the collaboration with Kyrie was incredible. And if he had played for the Australian team, that shoe would have been just like oh, out of here. That was awesome. Awesome. That was awesome. But, you know, it's funny. We, we were watching. Um, I agree with you, right? Like, I'm not saying that I don't necessarily. I play a lot of tennis and I do enjoy people. I enjoy the traditions of the game to a degree, right? But it, but yep. it's evolved in so many ways. And I do think that sometimes some of the stuff that you do on the court, I was watching like your YouTube clips and just the fact that I was watching YouTube clips, that's like an NBA thing, right? Like you, yeah. your, your views are probably right next to the big three in terms of, of, of views because of how you play the game, yet there's pushback on it. I do think the game overall and it's on the cusp of of starting to happen anyway can grow so big right now if there is a little bit of embracing you know the fact that like you may have a shot that you choose to do you know something that looks a bit more difficult but what's the difference between magic throwing a no look pass like he could have thrown a regular chess pass a hundred percent like and i mean we all know that entertainment and sport have never been closer like it's like we're in like I mean, for the bubble, for instance, like there was no, no viewers live, but then globally, everyone's still tuning in. I know for an instant that I, I didn't miss a second. I, I was watching every single game and I thought it was awesome. Like, I just don't understand why. I just feel like tennis, like, as you said, like it's a very traditional old sport and that's fine. Like it will never lose that. Like the way the game's played, the rules, like the way it's played will never, will never change. And you'll always have those players who are more reserved and that's fine. Like I'm, I'm not taking a shot at them. Like I understand that the way you play is the way you play, but. I think now is is a like most important time than ever to really like embrace players like myself, players that are different, that bring other fans from other sports into tennis as well. Like otherwise, I, I hate to say it, but like the way basketball, the way NFL, like all these like sports are going, like tennis will die out one day because especially when Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, when these guys kind of retire and they're getting pretty old, like they're they're getting older. I think when these guys go, tennis is going to be you know, it's, it's going to be under threat, like, of losing money. And I think it's an important time to get behind, you know, behind players like myself. Yeah, but that's that goes to what you're saying. If there's no, like, foundation of camaraderie, then, exactly. you know, they're not, you know, they, it, even, listen, there's generations in the NBA, you've heard every generation pushes back on the generation a little bit. It's competitive, but yep. it's always embracing the evolution of where the game is going. The times have Correct. changed. We did an episode of The Boardroom where Isaiah Thomas, um, Pistons Isaiah Thomas, was talking to KD. And he was saying, yep. like, this is what was supposed to happen. Like, this is why we did what we did. You have the opportunity to own media networks and have this show. And I do think that there's incredible value. I know there is. I went to the U.S. Open and watched you play. And I've been to you know, game sevens in Madison Square Garden. I know what an electric atmosphere at an arena or at a stadium feels like. When you play, yeah. it's electric in there. I have a friend of mine that said he yeah. only watches when you play. So why is that not embraced more? Do you think, honestly, like, and I, I mean this with all due respect, that it's maybe do you push the boundaries a bit and then people can't understand that? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I just think that the sport is run by like old traditional people as well. So when they see someone that's pushing back on the boundaries, they're going to be very reluctant to do it. But I think now they're starting to realize it a little bit. Like I have felt a little bit of a change. Like, I mean, it's crazy because like they say that I'm crossing the line, but all on social media, on their, on all their tennis social media platforms, they're literally marketing five players. And it's the big three, myself, and maybe a couple others. So now I feel like they understand that they're in a, like, 
they need to, like they need, they, they understand they need views. Like they need people watching the game. And uh, I mean, you, everything you just said, like it's, it's, it's all, it's all true. It doesn't help when those guys, like I saw the quotes, um, I'm not trying to rile you up, but you know, like I, I, no, <laughs> no I, I know. I, I don't, bro, I don't get bothered by anything. No, I know. Like, that's the point. I'm sitting here like s- talking to you and I can tell in one second that you're as like likable and mild mannered and chill and down to earth as it, as it comes. And you could tell, like we talk, Gianni, we talk to people every day. Like you talk to people every day. You, Part of being able to uh, be in this business is to read people and, you know, I can tell that. So, like, why do you think McEnroe, these guys, I read those quotes. That's whack because that doesn't set the game. That does nothing but set the game back. Do they come to you personally and say things similar to put their arm around you a bit or you don't get that? Well, I mean, I actually know Johnny Mac pretty well. Like, before he, when he said these quotes, um, it was actually before we met each other and we, we had this event like, it's called the Labor Cup. It's like Team World versus Team Europe. It's kind of like the Ryder Cup for golf. And um, he's, our, he's our captain of Team World. So we obviously, all, everyone got along with him well to start with, except for me. Because obviously, I mean, I don't appreciate when someone just hates for no reason. Like, you don't know what I've gone through at all. Like, you don't know anything of me. But yet, you're so quick to rinse me out to dry in the media. Like, I don't understand. And then we sat down and we actually get along really well. Like he, until he actually spoke to me and actually under, like understood me, and he was like, he saw so many similarities. And, and I'm like Johnny Mac, like you can't tell me, like that I'm nuts and stuff. Like I, I've never been like defaulted from a tournament before. Like he ran out of rackets. Like he broke every racket he had and he couldn't <laughs> actually play anymore. And I'm like, you wouldn't last one second with the media attention that I received. Like you wouldn't last. Like you. He, the amount of times he was like out in clubs, like just drinking beers, like you can't do that now. Like I can't do that. Like I can't go out right now. I couldn't walk down the street and just like have a beer. Like I, I, I don't have that privacy. Like he, I just think these old, like old, like these like past players, like they don't actually realize the scrutiny they were under. Like I saw Michael Jordan say like just the other day, like he, he doesn't even know that if he could do what LeBron's doing simply because of all the media attention he has to deal with. Like that's kind of what drove Jordan out of the game mm-hmm. to begin with. And I just don't understand. Like, I just don't understand hate. Like I understand not liking someone maybe, but like going to the media and just blowing them up for no reason. Like I just don't understand it. No, I don't understand it at all. And I couldn't agree with you more. And Johnny Mac was, I mean, he like he was awesome. Like I love he was entertainment. Like man, like I learned a lot. Like from Conor McGregor. Like you think he that's not him as a person. Like he knows how to milk. He knows how to create attention. Like, and at the end of the day, it's entertainment. He knew what he was doing. Like you're telling me he, him and Floyd Mayweather weren't like texting each other before the fight, saying, "Look, we've we've made it. Like we've done it. Like this is the most money I'm ever gonna make simply because you and I are just going grabbing some microphones and talking some shit." Yeah, no, you're right. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. And people are like, nah, there's no chance. That's how he is as a person. I'm like, dude, that's not, that's not him. So have you been able to, like, has your, that electric feeling that I said, like, that I felt in the crowd, have you been able to take advantage of that with Daniel, with your team as it relates to business at all? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely explored, like, so when I was a bit younger, like my interests were basketball. Um, you know, I love playing video games. Like I'm a massive gamer and I feel like just 
having having Daniel like managing my stuff, like even just talking to you guys, like you don't understand, like this is like a dream come true. Like KD, like I used to model my game around KD when I played. Like I actually loved him. Like my brother used to go for Oklahoma. Like he's my brother loves Oklahoma, loves Westbrook. Like loved it when those two were playing together. And then like obviously when he changed teams, and I, I like heard rumors like that he went to like the Celtics locker room, like looked at their playbook and stuff. And I was so excited. I remember I was in Wimbledon and I was like, dude, he's gonna sign with the C's. Like we're gonna win chip. And then. An hour later, he signs with Golden State. I'm just like absolutely losing my mind. Like, <laughs> like it, even to have like, even like this, like I feel like I'm myself. I feel extremely comfortable with you guys. Like oh, this is the first time I've ever met you guys and talked to you guys. And I feel more comfortable talking to you than I do with guys on the tennis table. Like, this is awesome. Like this is, I feel like I can be myself and talk about things that actually matter. Man, I appreciate that, honestly. Um, that's, really, that's really funny. The, uh, the Thunder, that Thunder team, Oh man, dude! If they were together now, like Ibaka the way he's playing, like how good? Like, dude, that team is ridiculous. Even some of their bench, like Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, like these guys are good. Oh, you're like a real. You're in it. You know it. Yeah. Oh, dude, I know shooting percentages. Like, I know everything. The Celtics. You know, when the Celtic, we had our free agency that summer in the Hamptons. It was wild. But the Celtics yeah. came out there. Like the Celtics are still. I grew up in New York, so I'm a Knicks fan. But you know, the Celtics were dope like i mean they were annoying as hell because they you know they we lost they and, were good yeah they were good but you know t you know tom brady came with the celtics to um pitch kevin did you hear that did he yeah it was jay crowder isaiah no yeah crowder came. Yeah, crowder yeah. isaiah uh marcus smart maybe kelly olenic yeah and yeah, KO. He, he can shoot the three ball no i like ko i like ko and uh and um yeah tom brady tom brady if KD came there, like he was gonna win a chip there, like he was gonna win the chip. Yeah, I mean, he's, I don't like it was playing. I think Isaiah Thomas, honestly, like that was the most one of the most underrated seasons, and I don't think he gets enough credit. Like he was playing ridiculous. No, he was special. Yeah, I loved him. I actually, I, I loved him. I love him now, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand how we lost to the Heat. Like honestly, like we're up 17 in game two. Like it's just like. Oh, gives me pains just thinking about it. And Daniel goes for the heat as well, and it's just like I haven't heard the end of it, dude. It's so frustrating. Do though? Do you have moments like? Do you have NBA moments like that that like keep you up at night of when the Celtics blew a series? Oh yeah, like what about like that shot Ananobi hit like in Game Three against the Raptors? I was like, how how is that happening? Like to point five <laughs> on the clock. Like, why are you guarding the inbounder? Like, I was just like, dude, oh, just thinking about it's so frustrating. And like, it's we played so frustrating. three extra games against Toronto, and then we end up like kind of running out of legs against Miami a little bit. Do you have a tennis match that um, is similar that you just like can't get out of your head? Oh yeah, um, I played Roger Federer in Miami one year, um, and I was up five four in the tiebreak in the third set, and I had two serves, um, so I was two points away from winning. And that's probably probably one of one of the biggest tournaments. You know, I had I should have beaten him there, and someone in the crowd calls out like midpoint, and man, I was just destroyed after that game. Like I think that was a pretty that was a turning point in my career. Like if I'd won that match, I think I honestly would have won a tournament, and that could have just been that's that's a massive what if moment for me. Like that was definitely one that just sticks in my head, and I see it. It's something I've tried to forget, but it comes it comes and goes. Like I think about it, but. That was definitely one that really hit me hard that I struggled to get over. Where, so where do you, like if, if you had to review your career at this point, uh, if you had to write like a little blurb on your tennis career to this point, even to yourself, not to the outside yep. world, 
where how do you analyze what you've done so far um i think i think i've i've i'm actually super like if i was just to think where i started and where i am now like i would i'm super proud of myself honestly like i love you know there was plenty of ups and downs and i don't necessarily regret anything i've done or the way i've acted on court sometimes like it's all a learning experience for me like i i think if you pull out one type of like if you pull out a block um you know, from your past that I kind of all falls down. I'm super proud of who I am as a person at the moment. Like I'm super proud of what I'm doing off the court. Um, I'm extremely happy off the court as well. Like I'm, 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 I feel like I'm genuinely making a difference. Like I feel like I'm making a difference and trying to be better. And I guess what it's about, like the tennis, tennis stuff for me is not important, but it's not, it's not even close to being the most important thing. Like I know that if I'm mentally and I'm, and I'm, I'll train hard. Like I'm in the gym every day. Like I'm, I'm staying fit. I'm staying ready. Cause I know when Australian Open comes around, I want to be playing well, but um, man, like, especially two years back, like I was in a dark place. Like I was, I fell into some massive holes. Like I was really struggling and to, to get out of that. And I just, I just want to eventually, I think I just give people hope, honestly. So you were in a dark place, just life and, and, or, and life and tennis. Oh yeah. Like I was, I fell into depression. Like I went to like this place in London where they kind of help athletes and stuff. I just went through a really tough place, struggling with traveling on the road. Didn't see my family. I felt like the best way I could put it is like, I felt alone in a, in a sea of people. Like I just didn't know I, I was waking up till 4 PM, like in dark rooms. Like I was just really struggling. And where I am today, like I feel, I feel awesome. Like I feel good. You got yourself through it. Um, well, I had some people I was leaning on, uh, but dude, like that, those, I'd never want to go back into those times. Like I, I was, makes me like, kind of like feel like I still feel a bit of pain for it. Like I almost feel like crying a little bit like to, from where I was, but man, I feel good now. Like those, that was just part of the journey, you know, I, like I don't play for myself anymore. It's not. And by the way, it's not just part of your journey as a tennis player. Like I, I had dark years from 19 to 24. Right. And in the the whole kind of look canvas of my life that represents a very small time and it's very normal for someone go yep. in their 20s for athletes it's it's unfortunately just amplified it's tough to avoid there's added pressure you know i will say this though like when you said the thing about how many people you want to help and how your in, your instincts are just to give back and that's what brings you joy um i think that so many athletes are born like when they when they become professional more than any other group of people they just have this like gut reaction to want to give back give back to their community um i see it with kevin right like the focus of his work is in prince george's county maryland because that's where he knows he can make a difference winning yep. winning affords you the ability everyone has different things they want from winning but winning affords the ability to help as many people as you want to do all the things Correct. you like in life and tennis you know professionally is not the longest kind of uh shelf life for lack of a better term so don't you like for that feeling alone does that drive you to be like yo you know what man i want to give away a hundred million dollars let me go after it because you have the talent like it feels like everyone knows you have that talent yeah uh yeah it's good i mean yeah, definitely. Like I'm motivated like more than ever, but I almost lost, well, when I was going through that dark patch, like I lost motivation. Like I didn't even like, it was nothing to even do with tennis. Like I was like, I hated, I actually hated my life at one stage. Like I didn't, I didn't enjoy waking up and 
had like a lost perspective on everything. Like, and now I feel like I'm motiv- more motivated than I was at the start of my career. Like I'm training every day. Like I feel like, and you're hundred percent right. Like winning gives you not just playing and doing it your way, but winning, obviously, you know, that, that's what, that's what kind of gives you more of an opportunity to help. And hundred percent, like I agree, like I'm, I'm more motivated than ever. Like I've never been in the gym this much in, in my career. I feel like I'm probably in the best shape that I've, I've been in. So I do feel like now, especially I'm going to like the next couple of years, like I feel like I really want to like lock in and, and, and do what I can on court. Yeah. You really, I'm going to make sure you and KD spend some time talking because there's a, there's a mentality that he's been able to achieve that um, is pretty special that I've watched it through, you know, I've worked with him nine years I've known him 12, 13 years now where like yeah. he's, he's gone through really dark ass times in his life, but being able to like understand and have a different outlook on what you do and how important your sport is and say, you know what, it's okay. Like for me right now to kind of like put everything in to basketball and understand that it's not just, um, it's not just a sport, right? That's your life is what made you up and you're going to go through those dark times, but see that sport as a gift, like see that sport as something, a haven that can get you through it and, you know, 100%. channel that a bit. I think that he'll be able to really share that with you. Cause I think he has those same feelings. Like, man, this, some of this stuff is just like, why, why negative for no reason? You know what I mean? Like that wasn't supposed to be what came with it. You just love the sport to start. Or you love competing. You love competing. Oh, yeah, I do love competing. But you, uh, honestly, as soon as you said you have to, like, I'm, you're going to speak to KD, like, I stopped listening. <laughs> uh, nah, he's, dude, uh, I, I would have so many questions for him. Like, I'd be like a little kid. Who are your, t- who, who are your top five hoopers right now? Top five? I mean, LeBron, LeBron for me, like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, the dude is, like, he's the, like... He's so good. Like, he, he doesn't... I think he's the most... I think, honestly, he's the most underrated player. Like, he should have got MVP. Like, how does he not get MVP? It's ridiculous. And, like, he does everything. Like, he did everything for the Lakers this year. He, he played defense. He's, he passes... He led the league in assists. Like, he can rebound. He scores. And he shoots... He actually shoots a good three ball. Like, people are like, oh, you can't shoot. And you got, like, these players like Stefan Mulberry saying, you can't be the greatest of all time. You can't shoot. Like... But he shoots good. Like, he shoots. Like, he's, he's the best player in the league. Um, number two. I mean, when KD's healthy, I think KD's number two. Like, on, like he's – every time he plays the Celtics, like, I, I don't want him to have the ball. Like, I don't care who, who on, the, <laughs> uh, on the other team has the ball. If KD has the ball, I feel like he's scoring every time. And I, I, I've, I've broken a lot of stuff, tr- well, trust me, watching KD. Um, <laughs> I think – I mean, I'd put if Harden's on, like Harden's number three, because like if you have someone, if you're making people stand behind you to guard you, that's ridiculous. Like when Rubio stood behind Harden, like what? Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like yeah. what? That, yeah. That's unheard of. Uh, so he's number three. Um, who else impressed me? Like, are we just going Why? into playoffs or just like right now? Just right today. Just right today. I mean, it's hard to go past Kawhi. Like Kawhi's got to be in the top five, I think. Like defensively and offensively, he's like meant meant like he's and he's. I don't know as a leader. Like I don't know if he can. Like he's a. He doesn't. I don't know if he has leader qualities. Like I think that the the Clippers had mad chemistry problems this year, um, and I think they were expecting Kawhi to kind of create the chemistry. But I don't know if that's what he's. You know what he what he does, and I think Giannis. Like Giannis has to be in in the five. Got it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. The most efficient player of all time, really. Yeah, but he, you know what? He said that you're not his favorite uh, tennis player anymore. 
Yeah, that's fine. Like, I second, I'll take second, bro. Like, that's fine. I'll take what I get. So no Steph, no AD. It's tough. I mean... It's tough, but like, I, I just think like... I mean, AD's crazy good. Like, obviously, first team All-NBA, but like, he's seven foot. Like, he's massive. You know, like, these guys are like kind of a little... I mean, not really. KD and Giannis are massive as well. But, I know what you mean, though. But I love like... I hate the, I hate the slack Westbrook gets. Like, I hate it. Like, I love Westbrook. I love him. Like, obviously, this year is tough for him, but like... I feel like people just overlooked the career he had in OKC that one year where he was just like, he was the best player in the league, I think. Like, he was crazy. I just, and I love his energy too. There's some people, as you know, that, you know, narratives get created about players and where they get put and people just have a conversation. It's really about what your peers think of you. You know, I think yeah. at the end of the day, even though yeah. your legacy is defined a lot by some of the outside noise, when you look at of the course. tennis, when you look at the tennis landscape today, like, so these guys have built um, incredible business, uh, Serena, Maria Sharapova, yeah. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Um, what, what is the makeup of a business of a tennis player? Like you said, you don't have a trainer, but like, what does the economics work? I mean, I get it to a degree, but explain it so, like, I can see inside, like, the tennis player's business a bit. Um, well, for me, like, obviously, I've got a relationship with Nike. I've, I've had a relationship with Nike since I was about 12. Um, in my, my, my tennis racket brand, so I guess, I don't know how basketballers can relate to that. I guess it's maybe their shoe brand, if they have their own shoe, maybe, I don't know. Um, but Yonex, like, that's a Japanese brand I've been using since I was about 12 as well. Like, I literally uh, am speaking with those guys every week. Um, I mean, I had it like, I just have a couple like ongoing deals that I have, bro, but like, I'm so low key, honestly, like I, I, my day is so like, so simple. Like I just wake up, train, have some coffee and then play video games. Like I'm so like, I'm, it's a bad question to ask me because I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I get it. But so you get paid for matches on the tour and then, you know. Yeah, yeah. like there's prize money, of course. Like the better you do at tournaments, like you win a tournament, you get a bonus like from your sponsors, that type of stuff. Yeah. But there's no guaranteed. Like you don't sign a contract. Like you can have appearance fees at tournaments. Like a tournament can say, oh, here, like you want to come here, we'll give you this amount of money, this X amount of money. And then you have to do a bunch of stuff for the tournament. So that tends to be what I like. I tend to get those sort of things because of obviously like, the ticket sales and all that type of stuff, but there's no like guarantee. You don't just sign a contract. Like for instance, that's what the NBA, like, you know, you sign a contract for X amount of years. This is your guaranteed money. Like there's none of that in tennis really. Like obviously contracts like off the court with your racket sponsors and stuff, but there's no like prize money. If you're not playing well and you're low on confidence, you're not making that much money really. So that's, that's what's tough as well. Like you have to be such a good loser in tennis. Like you're losing every week. Like, Literally every single week away from home, you're losing unless you're winning the tournament like you're Federer or something. But you're experiencing a tough loss every single week of your life. And you've got to just bounce back. Like you've got to be ready to go again. That's the tough thing about tennis. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a grind. Like unless you're in that like top group of players, like you said, it's a grind. You're on the road. Yeah. How many tournaments, like what's the busiest year for you? Like when you're getting in all your like ATP 500s and thousands of all that terminology. I'm just trying to flex my tennis terminology. <laughs> um, I, uh, I actually statistically play the least amount of tournaments of everyone in the top 100. Like I've, 
I don't play. I, I play, as you said, the ATP 500s. Um, I play the Masters events, which, is, which are compulsory, and then the Grand Slams. And then I'll fit in a couple tournaments here or there where I, you know, I enjoy the place where I have to go, say, if it's overseas. Um, and I know that it's a nice place. I know that I'm going to be comfortable there. But I, uh, over the last couple of years, my, my schedule has just been, if I'm ready to play and I feel good, I'll play. And then if i just not ready up to it or just want to spend some time somewhere, I'll do that. Like, I'm very good with the flow. I don't have a... I don't have a big schedule or anything like that. Like, but most most tennis players will have an outline schedule. They'll play maybe twenty five to thirty five tournaments. Um, I usually play about sixteen to seventeen. Do you like? Do people care about rank? Are rankings important within tennis anymore? Um, yeah, rankings are important. Like, obviously, because a tournament, a high level tournament, only allows a certain ranking into a tournament, and then there's qualifying for the tournament. But me personally, I don't care about it. Like I know that, for instance, now like my rankings dropping tiny, tiny bit, but I'm not like I don't have the opportunity to play. Like I don't feel comfortable going to play overseas and then dealing with quarantine when I get back and all that type of stuff. Like I've got elderly people in my family. Like my mum's not very healthy. Like I don't really want to risk her health either. So, um, but yeah, rankings are I guess important. Like I mean, that's a kind of it's a ranking system. But I know that whenever I can go out there, I'm, I'm back in my ability against anyone. But it's like, at the end of the day, you know, you're one of the most recognizable guys on the tour, most well-known names. The ranking's important, like you said, to get into a tour, but the respect amongst your peers, it's not about the rankings. Like, whatever Serena is ranked is irrelevant, right? Correct. Well, it's just like KD. Like, KD misses a year, but you still know he's, like, probably one of the best players in the world. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no doubting that either. Like, I feel like once you've established yourself in your chosen field, like, you've beaten players. Like, he's proven himself, like... And it's just about him. If he's ready, if if KD is mentally ready and he's physically ready, you know that he's you're gonna you're probably gonna lose. <laughs> like you're probably gonna lose. And it's the same with like a proven tennis player. Like they people know like if I'm focused and I'm feeling good, like their chances are quite slim. So what is it gonna take? You think for you, like, well, is there a checklist in your mind of like so if you're focused and you're locked in, it's gonna be hard to beat you. So how are you gonna get over that hump? You think and get a major because you will oh man i don't i don't know i mean well first of all probably need federer nadal and Djokovic to retire <laughs> that would help but um man it's just tough because like you've got to play seven matches and you have to like potentially play for f- three four hours in each of those matches with a day off in between like for instance i played this year to show an open i'm playing nadal fourth round and to get there i've played three pretty tough matches like my my third round went for four hours and 58 minutes like and i have a day off but nadal's nadal's match before goes for an hour and 30 minutes two hours so he's completely fresh and he's played on the not he's played on the center court at this tournament's perfect conditions like it's just tough man like i I don't know i'm not going to sit here and tell you what it's going to take to win a major because i never have i I don't feel like people can talk about it if they've never done it like i don't know what it takes but as I said, like, I'll continue to try. I'll continue to try my best, but I think it would help if those guys, those old guys, you know, maybe just retired. Those guys, Gianni. Who's your favorite of the big three? Probably Nadal. Really? Wow. See, I feel like I feel like Federer universally. I mean, Federer's universally like yeah, considered Fed- the goat, but like, I I don't know. Nadal's kind of swaggy to me. Nadal Nadal's relentless, man. Like. I've played them all. I've played all three of them and multiple times as well. And 
Federer, Federer is like personally for me, like the hardest to play. Like he makes you, he's like the one player where I was on court with him and I felt like, I felt terrible at the sport. Like I felt like I actually wasn't very good. That was the one time I didn't feel very good. Like he literally, I just wanted to get off the court. He makes you feel like that sometimes. Like he takes the racket out of your hand. He's playing so aggressive. He's walking around. He's also walking around like he's like the king. You know what I mean? You're looking at him. You're like, this is not, this is not good. But like, Nadal's relentless. Like he, he's not going away. He's he's one of the best competitors the game's ever seen. Like he's 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 just relentless. And Djokovic, he's he's doing things that I don't think you'll ever see again. Like he goes on a sixty match like winning streak, like which is unheard of. Like he's traveling to different countries, playing in different conditions, different players, sixty matches in a row. Like these guys, I honestly don't think we'll ever see in the history of the sport. Like Nadal has won I think twelve French Opens or something like that. Like thirteen. We're just like we're really witnessing greatness. And it's the same thing with like LeBron. Like I think, I don't know if we'll see any of this stuff order again, you know? No, I agree. You know, I'm glad you said Federer though. Cause I feel like, and it's funny. I mean, I guess you said Nadal swaggy. I feel like Federer is the one that just kind of walks on air and has that like Jordan-esque charisma a bit. And, Definitely. And that's why I'm, I don't want Nadal or Djokovic to have that record bed. Like, I know, but I hate to break it to you, but I think Djokovic will get there. Djokovic will get the Grand Slam count and he will, I, I honestly, my, my personal opinion, he'll, he'll overtake Federer in the Grand Slams. Um, I don't necessarily want that to be the case too because I think Federer is like the all-round goat. Like the way he plays the sport, the stuff he's doing off the court, like the way he carries himself, his like unbelievable role model, like, He's he's the goat, but Djokovic will get there. Yeah, Djokovic is a machine, man. He's a machine. He's a machine. He's a robot. He's like Kawhi. Yeah, he's Kawhi. What happened? You had something with him during the pandemic? Oh yeah, well, like he kind of had this. He held this event in, I think, in Serbia it was, and then he was in a club partying with his shirt off when there was like six thousand cases in that in that area, and I was like. I don't know, like, I, I'm kind of saying, like, you're our, like, LeBron of our sport at the moment. Like, you're our number one player. Like, and you mate, you, I don't know, like, I felt embarrassed almost to be a tennis player at that time. Like, you're supposed to be our leader of our sport, and you're, like, got your shirt off in a club, like, partying with, like, with no kind of, like, so selfish, kind of ignorant, like, to be risking. I don't know, like, it just didn't sit well with me personally. And I'm, like, and I knew that everyone else in the tennis world was too scared to talk up. Like, everyone's too scared to voice their opinion. I was, like hold on a second, like, you guys are going to get at me for what, like, throwing a racket or, like, swearing on court, and then we're looking at this guy who's potentially, like, risking lives. Like, it's not even a comparison, you know? Like, Yeah, no, I think, listen, I think that that's what's going to be the thing that people appreciate about you. If they don't now, you know, as your career goes longer and longer, is that you are who you are, you know? And I think that that is celebrated in a lot of other sports now more than ever, like we said, the NBA. Um, I do think, and, and I feel this way more than ever in talking to you that like the, the sport needs to let you be who you are. Um, it's, you know, it's imperative for the sport. Let me ask Gianni, you're 25 years old. You grew up in New York city. Gianni's like, he lives in like the epicenter of cool music, fashion. That's why he's next to me. That's why I have to stay cool. So, you know, obviously, um, like has tennis entered your world, like, do your friends talk, know tennis, talk about tennis, like, outside of Serena? How does that, how does it grow? How does it grow into that world? Yeah, I think it, you're right. I mean, you raise a really good point. Like, I'm worried what happens after 
you know, the top three leave because now women's tennis is blowing up and Serena is doing partnerships with Virgil and Naomi Osaka's fire. So I think through fashion is how it's starting to penetrate the culture. But I do think that like there needs to be another vertical. There has to be for sure. And like, that's, that's what I'm worried about. Like, and I love, I love what Naomi Osaka is doing as well. Like she's awesome. Like the, the stuff she's doing off the court and who she's getting involved with, like it's awesome stuff. Like, She's, she's really embracing that role, I think. She's, fly, she's flying the tennis flag at the moment. Like, I don't care how much money she's making or anything like that, but she's like, as representing our sport, like, I think that's, we need more of that. Like, we need more interest. We need more, like, people backing our sport rather than, you know? Without question. I mean, what Na- Naomi Osaka did for the sport, men's, women's, um, in sport globally, you know, that was an iconic, See? iconic, iconic moment, and she handled it, like, with flawless grace. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Like what she's doing is awesome. What music you listen to? Um, love J Cole. J Cole's awesome. Um, I love Khaled. Khaled as well. Like he's awesome. I, I love. I like. I, I like R and B and hip hop, but I like like sl- like. I don't know. Some of the stuff today is a bit a bit crazy. Like I mean, I can't even know what they're saying half the time. But I love. I love J Cole. J Cole's one of my favorite artists. You know, J Cole. I'm very close to J Cole, and I was. Um, I'm listed as an A and R on his first album, though I, I, you know, I'm his man, and I, I helped. I was at Rock Nation, but I didn't really yeah. play a part in building his his project by any means. But it's yeah. funny you say that because um, J Cole's fans are like rap. You know, if you love J Cole, you're like it's like a cult to a degree. Have you been to one of his shows before? Uh, I have, yeah. I went, I went to when he was in Melbourne. I went, and it was, it was so good. Like it was the best, the best live performance I've ever been to. He was so like hands on with the crowd. Like he was awesome. I loved it. I, I want to go again so bad. That's what Gianni you were saying the other day. Like you go to a Cole show, you know for a fact everyone in the crowd knows every single word. Period. Yeah, it's so good. Like I listen. He actually has a KD reference in one of his songs. Like listen to Fire Squad by J Cole. Like I listened to it this morning when I was driving from my girlfriend's place back home. And like he has a KD reference, he has a KD reference in there. It's good. So, if you could win any major before your career is over, is it the Australian? Ah, uh, man, I've, I, it's hard not to say the Australian Open, but I, I think I'd honestly say Wimbledon, just because it's like it's iconic. Like people that don't follow tennis at all know what Wimbledon is. So, I'd probably take Wimbledon. What about you, G? If you could win one major, uh, Wimbledon sounds pretty fire, but I'd probably take French. What? French. Nah, nah, you're joking. See, I'm with Nadal. I like the clay courts. <laughs> I shouldn't oh. even be I shouldn't even be here. That's tough. That's tough. I'm going I'm going a loud, like raucous US Open, US Open crowd, planes Same. flying overhead. Yeah, it's pretty cool there. Yeah. Um so when are we gonna when are you gonna be back out there? Um, well, probably Australian Open, I'd say. Uh, there's a lot, some events in Australia. The next like kind of swing is in Australia. So I'm just getting ready for that at the moment. Got, I actually got training in like an hour. So I'm just getting ready for that. All right, man. Well, listen, um, I think that it's incredible that your instincts in life are to give back. I thought that answer was awesome. I've really been blown away by getting to know you. I want to build with you. I want to do business with you. Like I told you, um, no empty promises. I'll talk to Daniel and we can connect you with uh, 
with KD. And I'm glad you talked about the dark period you're in in your life because that's important, man. And even, you know, I'm 43. I'm 18 years older than you. Whenever you can hear somebody else at any level of success, but especially someone that's had the success that you've had talk about, you know, openly that they went through that period in life. That's just real. We all go through it. The fact you've talked about it and you're so open about it, man, I, I think your future is going to be as bright as can be. I appreciate that. Well, that's, I mean, I, I, I just felt comfortable talking with you guys. Like I don't even tell, I don't tell many people that to be honest. Like I, uh, there's a part of my life I didn't really want to like, I don't feel, I mean, I'm over it, but I don't feel completely comfortable talking about it with anyone. And that, I, I guess that that's kind of why I want to give back because there's so many people, these, there's so many kids these days with social media, with just everything going on. Like they struggle with like mental illness. It's a, like, it's mental illness is like a genuine, like it's a killer these days. Like bullying, like, and I went through it, like being overweight, like I'm like colored in Australia. Like we, we're one of the most racist countries in the world. Like it's like, I don't know. Like I, I've seen how kids come up to me. Like they look at me like I'm like, like their older brother and I don't even know them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I feel like, you know, that's, that's what it's about. Well, listen, man, the whole, I think mental health, like you said, is, is a bigger issue than it's ever been. And the effects of what's going on in the world now will add to it incredibly. But it is great when, you know, these like flawless role models speak out about it, but also with people with some scars, man, people that have really like, you know, the road wasn't always uh, exactly the way you imagined it would be. And, you know, the fact that you can talk about it and still get out on the court and can say openly, like, I love it, but I don't have to maybe love it the way, you know, you want me to love it is important conversation. You know, it doesn't get praised as much maybe as somebody that like, you know, takes out an ad and tells the whole world to feel better. But when you do yeah. it, uh, when you do it your way, it affects people, man. So it's, it's appreciated. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. It was awesome.